Cut the Crest presents this Christmas room? Really? Ugh. Okay. to the screening room. Today I've got a very, very special guest uh, that I'm sort of somewhat fanboying over and, and really gushing over, um, Elroy Powell. Elroy, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, listen, thank you so much for having me. I am uh, really enjoying, looking forward to connecting here. It's great. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Elroy, so for those who may be a little unfamiliar, um, Elroy is a, a multifaceted um, performer. He's a, he's a singer, he's a, a musician, um, he's an actor. Uh, we, people will know him from uh, his music. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, um, as Black Legend, they'll know you as Black Legend, but they'll also know your work from things like uh, The Force Awakens and Fighting With My Family, uh, more recently Jingle Jangle. Um, and we're going to get into all of that later. Um, and if I'm sounding a little flustered, it's partly because I am kind of starstruck here. Um, and the way I came to uh, meet Elroy was basically through my wife, um, Arti. You guys have worked together before. You know each other. I Basically, I had a, had a, um, a printed image of um, the Mazis Castle uh, patrons from uh, The Force Awakens and sort of was, she's pointing out basically all the people that she knows and stuff and she's like, and that's Elroy is like oh okay who's Elroy and that's when she told me that you are black legend so like my mind was kind of blown I couldn't believe it um, and then sometime later we were watching Jingle Jangle which is this incredible new um, Christmas musical on Netflix uh, you absolutely have to check it out if you haven't done so already and she said oh uh, my friend Elroy's in there and so I started connecting the dots and thought no I I absolutely must uh must speak to this chap um so Elroy I'm really uh I'm really grateful that you're doing this um let's start with the music um so basically you are Black Legend in 2000 you had this massive massive hit called uh you see you see the trouble with me um which is a cover of a old Barry White track. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about, please? Yeah, so Black Legend is actually two Italian house producers. Um, and how that came about was there was a song absolutely smashing the place to pieces in Ibiza. And Barry White's voice was all over it and they couldn't clear the sample. So they needed someone to revocal it. So my, my friend and mentor at the time, my vocal coach, Lisa Millet, she was signed to Defected. She said, look, I have some friends in Italy that have a song that needs revocaling. Would you like to do it? So I was just, you know, I was a struggling student at the time. Uh, I was happy to just get the experience, travel, make some money and, and get back to business, get back to life. Um, how, how, how wrong was I? It all changed from there in a good way. Um, I went out to Italy and it was the toughest session of my life. It was, you know, Barry White, the legend that he is, is a, you know, resonating chamber, big structure, big stature. I wasn't that at that age. Um, a slightly larger frame now, but, um, you know, I really had to work for it. And uh, 
came back happy that the job the job was done but then i got a, a call from the record label hey we need you to do some promo and some magazines and i couldn't understand what on earth was going on i was just happy to uh to uh to to hear from them and and um it, it meant number one record and top of the pops at the time and traveling around the Balearics and other parts of the Middle East and all sorts of places I hadn't been to before, which was phenomenal. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of got this phone call from the label and they said, hey, we need to do press and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for, but I knew I had to step up and get it done. And it, it was uh, an amazing experience. Number one, top of the pops, traveling around Europe, Middle East, all kinds of places I hadn't been before. Meeting people I hadn't been before, you know, I'd be at Top of the Pops and Craig David and All Saints and these other people who were cool at the time. Um, you know, Macy Gray, lovely woman, very tall woman. All <laughs> kinds of people just uh, hanging around backstage before uh, hitting Top of the Pops and whatnot and uh, really taught me a lot about the industry. Yeah, that sound that is just incredible. Like, um... I, just, I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like because you were literally, you know, you were literally just a, a kid, really, and this massive thing had just been thrown into your lap. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really significant because I feel, especially as a musician, um, also, a lot of us are obviously doing it because we love it and we want to be creative and it's expression and it's connection and so on. But when part of you also when you make music wants to be heard and you want to be at the top of the charts or be prominent, and so to get that level of prominence at such an early age and such an early age in terms of my career really helped um, helped me. Because I think a lot of people, if you haven't had a number one or a top 10 and so on, you're trying to get into that place. And it's like this kind of uh, imaginary oasis, wonderland, heaven, mecca of a, of a place that you want to be in. Then you get there and there are so many other lessons that come with it, that that I had to learn, that came with the experience. So on the whole, on the whole, it was powerful, powerful, positive experience. But also came the pressures of uh, let's have another number one. Let's now now it becomes more corporate and more business. Now let's let's figure out what we need to do to ensure the success of the project. And so and when you're young and new to the industry, it's very hard to get people to listen to you. You know, I felt very. I was a young kid which meant I knew what was going on. I knew what I loved. I knew musically where I was at and where I wanted to be. But it was it was challenging to convince the people with the power to follow my ideas about where I wanted the project to go. And because also it wasn't necessarily my project. I was delivering the voice for the project, which was important. Um, but it was challenging in terms of then steering my career to do what I wanted to do. So it meant I actually had to start from scratch. It meant eventually I had to go back to to um really figuring out how to make it work for myself uh, they released follow-up singles and it didn't go as well as the first so it was like well what do you do um and with massive record labels with major record labels if you're not hitting a top five that that's it that's the end of your your journey with them um that's just how it goes you, and then uh, as i said there's a lot of transition in the industry a lot a lot of people were afraid to invest in development and, and and generally afraid to try new things. Um, so that meant a lot of doors were closed for me and I actually burnt out just trying really hard to, to come with a follow-up um, 
that I felt a real connection to, which was actually the best thing that could happen to me. Because then I, I realized that in, instead of chasing the charts, I should really reconnect with my passion, what I really love and align with creating an energy, a connection, a solution for those people that, that are aligned with my passion. And so that's why I went back to the drawing board and I started acting, I started training as an actor. I started, um, I, I then started to do EastEnders and then I did a bunch of commercials and things like that. And I started to explore, still using my voice, but being a voice actor. Um, and then came the opportunities with Star Wars, um, The Force Awakens, um, fighting with my family and now Jingle Jangle years later. And I was doing a bunch of fight scenes and things that, and... Um, I love it. I love the people that I meet, I get to work with. I love that I'm using my gifts uh, in a way that makes sense for me without having to be too um, uh, conscious or worried about where, as a, as a corporate entity, things want to go because there's already that alignment. I'm already there because I want to be there. It's fine. And that's a massive thing I talk about, you know, being creating a practice of mindfulness um, so that you really connect with who you are and regularly, consistently review uh, where you are and, and, and what's working. Are you around the right people? Are you doing the things that really bring you a sense of peace? Um, because we're only here for a certain amount of time. We don't know how long that is. So how, what can I do to make that quality of time uh, the, the best I can? You know what I mean? And, and so I got into that mindset. And once I got into that mindset, it made uh, my, my, it just made things so much more enjoyable. Uh, it just really gave me a greater sense of, of peace around everything that I do. That's like, yeah, that's enlightening, I suppose. You have that sort of uh, eureka kind of moment. Um, gosh, so, okay, so you you completely transitioned from... the Was was it a transition? Am I reading this right? Uh, you went from music, and then when you say you went back to the drawing board, did, did you sort of purposely put a full stop completely on the music? Because I, I can understand how that corporate element is enough to sort of completely destroy one's soul you know uh for want of a better phrase but so you you basically completely rejigged and then but but still found an outlet for your creative work like how 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 long a period are we talking here that it take you to sort of make that transition probably um i'd say over 10 years wow 10 years um because initially there was so much pressure to be barry white or to be that guy that does that it was hard you start internally asking yourself, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should just be Barry White. Maybe I should just do all this stuff. And I come from real humble beginnings. So everything for me was just a bonus. I was just happy to have had these experiences and have these opportunities, grateful for them and was just forging forward as best I could and, and just stayed open to receiving what was being sent my way. And so when I decided, let go of worrying about what people think, it doesn't matter if they think you should sing or they think you should be. It doesn't matter. What do I want to do? What do I need to do to create that uh, sense of peace in my life? And that feeling of, yeah, this is the right thing. Looking in the mirror, going to bed, waking up and feeling good about myself. And so I started to do that. And then um, it took time because there was a period of time where just singing was my bread and butter. And then just singing wasn't enough. And I, I didn't have, at the time, any uh, financial education. I didn't grow up around people uh, that were accountants and lawyers or had money and so on. Uh, so I had to really go about, educate myself, read a ton of books, do a ton of courses. 
everything from Rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad and all this kind of stuff and um, Tony Robbins seminars and Les Brown and whatnot. And um, you start to realize, you know, take a chunk of your money, put some away. You know, I'm not offering financial advice, by the way, but just <laughs> what worked for me, you know, start compounding, start putting away some for educating yourself, some for um, investing, some for growing uh, and some for just having fun and the rest for your day, you know, your, your expenses and look at developing business. I, so I went in and started to learn. I went and did courses with people like Daniel Priestley at Dent Global and um, learned about how to pitch and how to um, work, figure out who my ideal client was, all these things that were really alien to me. And beyond that, things that I felt uncomfortable with because coming from where I came from, sometimes um, the people with the money were seen as crooks and corrupt. And I don't want to, you never wanted to be those people. Uh, so I had to rewire how I saw money and business and see it as a way, actually started to see it as a way to help people, a way to create solutions and transformations in people's situations. And that helped me with creating a new foundation, a fresh canvas, a fresh um, way forward in terms of building a business around my passion. So I went into setting up a voice agency, um, helping brands, top brands, source the best voice to create a successful campaign doing voiceovers for commercials and acting in video games and animations and all this kind of stuff um, to help coaching people that wanted to get into the voice business assisting people with business uh, starting from scratch um, as entrepreneurs and also mindfulness like really helping people with daily routines a great book that i read by a guy called Hal elroy the miracle morning and my partner um, put me on to uh, it has this practice called the savers where you spend um, a, a moment of time every time every time you wake up um, and I adapted it but he said every morning silence affirmations visualization exercise reading scribing now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a creative so I don't have a morning I don't have a night I'm up when I need to be and I get I don't stop until I get it done so what I do is when it feels right I find a time and I and it doesn't have to be 10 minutes it could just be a minute if we can't give ourselves six minutes of every day just to connect with ourselves and review and figure out what's happening that we need to have a conversation with ourselves about that so from doing that I was able to figure out all the time and and still do um, and I'm not saying it's easy I have my you know you have your challenges with it but figure out where it is I want to be, how I'm going to get there and figure out how to enjoy the process without burning out. Like we cannot enjoy these things that we're doing if we're not in a place of health and balance and well-being. Yeah, that's, um, that is fascinating. Um, and so true, like, cause otherwise you just, you just get buried. Um, oh, there's, there's so much to unpick there. Yeah. Like, um, the pitch stuff you're talking about, you know, I, I, I do a little bit myself. I'm, I'm getting ready to pitch a TV show and it's so easy if you don't take that time out, which I don't think I personally do. So I'm going to probably, I'm going to listen back to this and make some notes and get those names down and uh, visit those um, books and stuff because it can become overwhelming, right? This is, um, yeah, it's heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 2020, this has been a year of, people becoming more switched on to how important it is to take that time to prioritize to look after ourselves because we've been in lockdown and because we have lockdown a lot and we haven't been able to talk to people and we've had to assess well what really matters you know what i mean and um i feel especially for men i don't want to generalize but 
I feel that often there's there was there was a lot of pressure to, especially if you have a family, to be the provider, to be the strong one, to not talk about your pressures, to hold it all in, to not show love even because maybe that might be perceived as weakness. Um, you know what I mean? Not to smile too much or whatever. And um, I ha once you start to let go of all these ideas, everybody else has created for who we're supposed to be. And you start to create your own universe, your own ideas about how things work with respect for everybody else's space. I feel things uh, just become uh, so much easier. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of feel like I need to go away and meditate now a little bit and reflect. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I don't know where. To... And, there, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that either. Do it. In fact, <laughs> I'm encouraging you go meditate. Yeah. Take time for yourself, man. We don't do that enough, especially when we have families and children. You know, we 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 want to provide. We want to give them the best. All the things that we didn't have, we want to give to our young young ones, and you know, exactly. make our wives and family feel safe and so on. Uh, like that's that's a big task that's a battle every day that, that's there's pressure you know so what are we doing to ensure that we're looking after ourselves relieving that pressure so we're not we don't just explode so many mental health issues out there especially mm. now coming out of 2020 but yeah. generally because a lot of men and others who are in these position positions of pressure are not taking the time to let go of it yeah 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 absolutely and it almost feels like I how do how do we do you find okay so like in terms of because you are a creative you have got this entrepreneurial mind you know um and you and you've got this great understanding really of actually the human condition you know that, that's basically what you've just described right and and how to deal with it and the fact that it needs to be uh dealt with in some way especially you know if there's issues or if there are mounting issues being a creative um do you have you found that that's helped you? So before you even sort of um, started educating yourself on this stuff, um, did you find that that was helping you anyway? Like so with the music um, and and just being a creative in general and the the flow of ideas and then finding that um, real like realizing those ideas that release and getting that you know something done for example a project getting that done that that in itself can be quite cathartic can't it it, it can be um uplifting uh and not just like okay i just had to get a task done and it's done it, it it i i feel that with each project um you've grown you know i've grown there's something new has been added there's been lessons learned and and whatnot so do, do you think were you experiencing the same sort of stuff? And how do I say with the, you know, when the corporate world was sort of trying to hold you down, those gatekeepers were, were pushing you down and you finally broke free of that. Um, is that when, did you start making that connection? So basically was that in the, in the beginning of your career in the early career, was the creative outlet helping you to realize these things? So when you came to study it, um, did you make that connection already that actually I was already kind of doing this or this was already happening? Does that, does that make sense? Sorry, I know it's a little abstract. Well, I'll, I'll sort of respond and then feel free to continue to, you know, unpick and ask me, you know, additional questions. Um, with regards to singing, absolutely cathartic. Um, the the sense of connecting with an audience, 
and telling a story, sharing how you feel, uh, laying yourself bare and open emotionally and letting people see you is, um, it takes a lot, but it also allows you to let go of a lot too. And so I love performing and especially when it's your own songs and you feel there's a real sense of intent and purpose um, around the expression. The challenge with being in the music industry is it's business also. So you also have to think about the money. Doing this gig, is it paying bills? And there are so many studies around how musicians are underpaid um, and so on. And there's a culture of expecting musicians to work for free um, and all sorts for a very long time. It's, it's been this way. So in terms of what you say about corporations holding me down and holding people back and so on, I feel it's really about rewiring how we see it. Ultimately, it's their game. They've, it's a business that they, the, the people leading in that business control and run. So you have to, no one's holding a gun to your head and telling you to be a singer or, or telling you to make your money mainly from singing or whatever your, your art is. So you just go off and make money in some other way, but go and sing because you love to sing and it's no issue. You go and create your own business, your own audience that you want to perform to, yeah. that you want to make feel happy. You create your own universe. It doesn't matter then what people think, you know, unless they're deliberately trying to cause you injury. And that's a whole different thing. And we deal with that differently. But with regards to, you know, realizing that if you're in a particular industry that was there before you, that has a set of rules that you didn't create, then you're going to have to bear that in mind and look at a different way of uh, engaging with that industry or creating your own way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose that's a lot. Uh, well, would you say that it's easier to do that now in this day and age of um, the internet compared to, you know, um, you know, 20 years ago? Uh, even though we had the internet back then, but I mean, you didn't have these platforms like YouTube and, and, you know, Spotify and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I, I literally um, today was doing a Zoom about building your own business and um, how we can connect with our potential um, tribe so much easier now, whether it be through social media, um, you know, if you want to go business to business, going through LinkedIn or uh, using Instagram and other things, paid ads. I mean, right now we're leading the way with um, ads for Spotify. So I, I have a number of voice actors on our roster and uh, we create ads for people and we help schedule them and get them out on Spotify to drive the traffic to wherever they want it to be. It's so much easier. We're traditionally back in the day, the traditional out outlets, radio, newspapers, you know, uh, satellites are so expensive um your everyday person couldn't do that but now anyone with a phone you can be an influencer you can build a client base um so yeah it's so much easier now so if you're not doing it then what can i say yeah yeah i get it um yeah that that's uh yeah there's a lot of uh, yeah like i said before there's a lot to unpack um I thought we were just going to talk about Star Wars, but this is like really, uh, you know, it's really educational. Um, on my last episode, I sort of said uh, I felt like I was going back to school. I, this is why I really love doing these and meeting um, people like yourself, because it's just 
It is enlightening. It is uh, it's a real educational experience. Um, okay, so then, all right, so you've talked about the music, um, the entrepreneurial work, and actually a lot of, you know, the stuff that you're doing is incredible that you've got your own voice agency. Um, I love the expression, create your own universe. I can see it on your top there. Um, it's, it is such a beautiful thought. How did the acting stuff then come into it? Like, so how did you get into the, into the acting work? Um, because you mentioned that the music, it was almost like it fell in your lap. Obviously there's talent there. So, you know, it's not like it just happened out of nowhere. I mean, there was, there was something there, right? With the, how did the acting then come about? Because you're going through this really, it sounds to me like you're going through this really life-changing experience. You know, your mind is completely expanding. You've had this crazy, crazy experience um, through the music industry. You've got, you know, this decade where everything's evolving and changing and now you're reassessing, you're going into the acting. How did that, so how did you actually go into acting? You said you worked on EastEnders. So what was your first gig, for example? So I've got to roll it back. Um, Like I said, coming out of the music industry experience with Black Legend, it's massive. Several million sold. Um, I was going in and out of nightclubs. Um... VIP getting looked after private jets to places and whatnot and then because of how specific things were with the targets you need in terms of getting a hit record and so on the doors start to close and um, there was a point where I was literally back to sleeping at my mum's house or sleeping on the floor um, staring at the ceiling going how on earth did I get here like I was I was just on a private jet uh, a couple of years ago, like, you know, I'm still young, what's going on? And I also had an issue with sleep apnea, which meant that when I slept, um, sometimes I would stop breathing um, just because of the positioning and so on. But your brain kicks in to, to make you start breathing, but it means that you're not sleeping properly. And that has a knock-on effect with your internal organs making you get tired and so on and lack of energy. I didn't realize this because I've always been into martial arts and very strong, even though a, a, a big guy. And um, one day I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was really gasping for air in the middle of the night and I actually had to go to hospital. And I was in hospital going, again, how on earth did I end up here? I'm young, I'm strong. There's something that I'm not doing right. So that additional time to reflect got me seeing that I had to let go of of all of the stuff that wasn't serving me. I had to be kinder to myself. I had to eat differently. So I've, I've been four years vegan now, but I took a whole um, very gentle approach towards no red meat, no uh, chicken, pescatarian for a bit, veggie, then vegan and so on. So I, took, I started to look at how I'm eating, how I'm working out, the people in my circle, all that kind of stuff. And also the career, like what am I, why do I want to be in the in music industry? How, in what capacity, what else can I do? And I started to really look at the things I enjoyed. I love acting at school. And before Black Legend, I was doing a lot of presenting on TV for, the, there used to be a channel called Trouble TV, which I think was part of Virgin and all this kind of stuff. I was acting and doing stuff before Black Legend and it's kind of moved into to singing um, because it was doing well. So I focused on what was working. So I thought, hold on a minute, no. So I, I signed up to a ton of agencies. I didn't go the traditional route. 
going acting school, I went to um, like city lit courses and workshops and so on, um, some casting director courses and all this kind of stuff. And then um, one of the agents I was with at the time said, hey, what are you doing on Monday? We've got a really important thing for you to do. Please tell us you can do it. And if you're going to do it, turn up on time. No messing around. So I'm like, okay, yeah, of course. You know, standard. What what, what do you need me to do? Like, you're going to be a market trader. We need you over at EastEnders. They, you know, going to see, feel you out, see what's going on. So went there, done it. They liked us. It was me and a bunch of other people. And that was really interesting. Um, that experience was an education within itself. Because when you're on EastEnders, and you've got several units running at once and you've got cameras all over the place and people are learning their lines quickly because they've got such a big output with the number of episodes and months in advance and whatnot. You start to see how the how everyone, how everyone works and how, how it feels. And <clears throat> I think that was a massive education as well as doing all the courses and everything else I was doing. And I got an agent and then I started to do like commercials outside of that and... Um, and why that was important was because it meant my people started to see me in a different capacity and it started to promote the other sides to me. And then I started to do fight scenes for things. So I think I ended up in something called New Blood, where I was in a fight scene, um, which was so much fun, choreographed by a guy called Tony Luckin, um, top um, fight choreo guy and some lovely people on set. Um, and my agent <clears throat> would constantly put me through, excuse me, put me through to different things. I would turn up to every casting, no matter what it was. If I got asked to go, I was there. Uh, the same attitude and focus I had with my music, I, ha I have with everything, really. Just turn up. This is half the battle. I think this is the thing. Um, it's scary. You know, a lot of the time, life is scary. Like, some of the things that seem quite simple to do are scary because our brains are programmed to... Uh, give us the, the 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 energy of least resistance right and go with that and also want to protect us keep us safe we don't want to do anything that could potentially harm us whether that's your status or anything else um but when you take that risk and you step out with faith that you know what i'm just going to give it my best and whatever happens happens things open up and so i just like to turn up to everything it felt right for me to turn up to and then opportunities came you know and I, I genuinely love it. I love um, the process of casting. I love the process of meeting people, the ADs, the director, the doing the workshops, doing the, um, the rehearsals, doing, you know, the fittings. I love that world. I love that energy. It's fun. It's the creative side to me that I love to be involved in. Um, and then also there's, I'm still capable, still able to do the business i'm still able to run my agency i'm still able to um do one-to-one -one consultancy for my vip clients and so on um because i don't live by anyone else's rules i don't live by this oh you're an actor you need to be wearing sunglasses and no one and no one can approach you i'm an, i've always been an approachable dude and i've i'm always going to be that guy if i don't if, if it's not right for us to have i manage the distance and we don't talk and that's cool but if i want to be around you let's be around each other you know what i mean let's see how we can exchange and grow together and keep that energy that's the energy i want in my environment so this is what we're going to make happen so yeah that transition i would say it took about 10 years and then from here it's just been compounding it's just been growing um as i've fine-tuned and focused in on more and more what brings me peace and what i love doing yeah that that's amazing um and the fact that 
so you, let me get this straight. You, so you actually enjoy the audition process. So you yeah. Love, yeah. Okay. Because not a lot of actors um, seem to, at least not a lot of the people I've spoken to, uh, I think they, they, they suffer from, much like me as well, I suppose. It's that whole nerves and all that stuff. So how do you, what is your philosophy on it? I mean... You said, I didn't say I didn't get nerves, <laughs> but it's about how you use them, right? That, that, that again, I do a lot of, okay, let me, when I get hit with a, a, a situation that makes me feel fear, yeah. I go, okay, how can I rewire this? How can I use this mm. in a positive way? Because yeah. you're not human if you're not feeling fear. Fear's there for a reason, but, you know, use it in, a, in the best way you can. And so my way of dealing with a casting is, um, it's an opportunity to network and, 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 connect with people who maybe otherwise would not know you or see you and uh, also it's it's helping you sharpen and keep your skills tight because when you come out of acting school or workshops and so on unless you continue to do workshops you, your skills your muscles are going to get soft so you need to keep practicing and so when you get, you want to be practicing before you hit a casting of course but if you're getting castings all the time you get into this flow yeah. and this confidence with how you approach learning your lines how you approach um, connecting with characters, building a story, expressing who you are through the character, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you get you get used to doing it a lot. And so the more you do, bring it on, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. The more we do anything, the better we're going to get at it. Absolutely. So it helps me. It helps me manage my time because if I was also doing, excuse me, acting classes alongside, it's just too much, right? So I do what I do for my own personal practice and then let's hit up these castings and get it going. And of yeah. course, it's nice when act, when uh, directors and so on, they say, look, we want you for this. No, don't worry. No, we know you're going to be fine. Come, hmm. let's just do this. Um, but it's, it's all part of the process. It's nice. It also gives you an opportunity to, to, learn, to, to learn more, to have more time with whether or not you, you get it or not, have more time with that experience. Yeah, is that some... Um... It reminds me of, um, I think what Sa I think it was Samuel L. Jackson was saying, uh, he's or he has said in interviews where he saw each audition as a job, you know. So he 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 saw it as a an opportunity to act, basically. So it, he didn't he didn't differentiate between, uh, you know, the audition process and actually having the job and going to set and yeah. stuff. You know, it it was all the one and the same he he had a job to do and it was to act and so he utilized that and that's great like what you're saying about it's how you perceive these things and then how you manage it and using things like fear in a positive way right to charge you up yeah absolutely yeah man that's um yeah that's wicked that that is uh such a fantastic way to approach these things um well anything really um okay so let's let's talk a little bit about star wars because uh i am a massive fan and I know some of my listeners are massive fans, so I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't ask you about your experience on TFA. Um, please tell me how how did it come about? Um, you know what was the costume process like? Because your your character was Rosa Wino. is that am I pronouncing that right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so how did all that stuff come about? Um, how did you approach that? What was a typical day like on set um tell us a little bit about that one wow that's going back a bit now but one of the agents that i was with uh asked me about my availability and they were quite adamant and they kept coming back to me but not committing to anything but really trying to find out how much availability i had and if i was flexible and i was like yeah sure um i kind of felt like 
it must be something important for them to be, you know, coming back to me so much in this way. Didn't think much of it, didn't hear anything. And then suddenly, okay, we've got these dates booked. We need you to go in for a fitting. Um, still very hush-hush about what the project was and so I didn't really know much about it. And then I went over there and I'm walking down a corridor um, and I see like artwork and stuff and like and there's like a big yeah. bucket full of like stormtrooper arms and all kinds of things i'm like okay this is this is really happening this is what's going down you know what i mean and it was just wow it was just one of the most i feel like i'm almost saying this with every level like every <laughs> new film that i do but their experiences are all different but it was being a fan of of the you know of the project being a fan of star wars um and then being asked to do that, it was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, especially because of how nice everybody was. Right. Like, seriously lovely people. Um, and I was on set and uh, I just couldn't wait. It's one of them ones, you just can't wait to get there and just <laughs> be there and be around the energy of it all. And in the gaps, talk to people and say hello and and crack on with things, you know what I mean? Um, absolutely phenomenal experience. And the, the director, JJ, and um, oh, just everyone, just just great to work with and be around. And um, yeah, that that really had me floating uh, for a while and really came, it really helped because I know I've been really pushing and grinding and working hard for a long time to get, get additional breaks and opportunities open up for me. And so that it was beautiful to do that and then see a Lego character in a computer game emerge <laughs> and some animation around this character and then turn up in the Star Wars book. And so everyone that's really supported my career and has really celebrated me and tried to help me and open doors in those areas. I absolutely really appreciate them, you know, absolutely really appreciate them because yeah. it's really made a difference for me. And then it's helped me. Uh, get to a point where I can help others um, so it's, it, it, it ripples out and it's beautiful yeah yeah um I can yeah I can imagine I mean have, having heard the stories from others about what it felt like um, and when that sort of realization dawned on you that this is um you know this is Star Wars yeah, I, those story those types of stories will never get never get old um I wanted to I wanted to stress I think it's important to stress as well that you know um that they especially in something like say Maz, Maz's castle uh, and this is more for the audience because you will know this already but uh it'll be more for the listeners um who aren't particularly aware perhaps that there's a uh, there are varying degrees of um performer there right so for example the you know the, there were talents um you know bona fide actors performers um such as like Miltos, Yerolamu, uh, yourself, uh, Matt Sterling, who who were there um, as characters, uh, but you're not you're not extras. You know, I want to I want to sort of emphasize that fact that this is not a this is not some extras role. Uh, the 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 job I imagine you know well from what you've said also uh, has come about in a very different kind of way because um, I've done a little bit of background stuff so I know how that you know kind of works and it's not quite it's not quite the same you know in in the same way that the CFX stuff is its own little niche uh, you guys are your sort of uh, almost like a niche um, so how when you guys were 
blocking out the scene. So you you were surrounded by all sorts of different types of people coming from different, you know, with a different approach, I suppose. Because um, an an extra or a supporting artist will have an approach. The CFX guys will have another approach. How so? How did you um, come to this thing? Like you, you know, you're you're you've been kitted out by wardrobe and makeup. You're in your costume. Um, were you given sides? Did you have, you know, did you have script pages? Did you um, have some kind of scene worked out? Were you guided? Were you left to your own devices? Like, how much uh, input did you have in what you were, uh, what you could and could not do? Well, as a professional, you're always going to follow the directions that you're given, you know, and everybody has their role to play and it's all important. You can't, you have a film and you have <laughs> leading actors and whatnot, the principal actors. The film is still not the film if you don't have your supporting artists and, yeah. and so on playing their role. And people often, I have to big up the background artists, I have to big up the supporting artists. Um, and of, with any industry, with any part of the industry, you have people that do their job better than others. But ultimately, supporting artists um, have to endure so much. They have to put up with being treated like crap, <laughs> treated like second-rate citizens. Let's keep it 100. <laughs> um, given worse, worse food than everyone else, sat in, in worse um, uh, surroundings, like on a bus somewhere. Uh, we've all seen Ricky Gervais's extras. Um, and it, it and it's just like that, you know what I mean. And at the same time, they have to be switched on, nowhere to walk, know where the cameras are, so they don't interfere with the main action, all that kind of stuff, which takes skill and concentration. And they're often there for so long, and they don't get paid a lot of money to do no, it. No. Uh, and they're so important. So I always have to big them up, and that's where I came from. Like, put it into perspective. Um, I came from number one record. Um, selling millions to starting again and being a supporting artist to start with. So I'm walking in the background of projects to cast a shadow onto yeah. where the action is. Walking up and down in the rain, getting there four in the morning in the cold. Um, so I have nothing but respect for supporting artists and what you learn whilst being a supporting artist. And I think it's different in the States where a lot of big actors, like your George Clooney's and your Van Damme's and all that, um, Wesley Snipes, they all started as supporting artists yeah. and work their way through you know you it's you're almost encouraged to do it because of the what you learn you, you learn so much from being on set like you could go to workshops and acting school but you learn so much from just from being there if you're switched on enough as a supporting artist um you pick up so much more even than uh, doing workshops because you're in the environment you know it's like when you're trying to learn a language um, go and immerse yourself. Go and live in Spain for six Absolutely. months if you want to learn Spanish or whatever. You know, I mean, it's the same for anything. So um, yeah, um, it's important for me to say that. And um, I didn't have any lines. I wasn't. It wasn't that. But we were picked out. I think there were twenty something of us picked out specifically uh, to do this um, because they trusted that we could deliver in, in what they needed for the scene. And so I had to take on a mindset of. We're in this intergalactic, you know, situation and create a character for myself. Even though I'm not going to speak, my energy had to be that because you're going to feel it on camera. You're going to see it and feel it for however long. Um, and so it's it's uh, really important that I bring that energy and that level of professionalism 
to everything that I work on, irrespective of the capacity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, you know, I've I've done a reasonable amount of that stuff myself, so I I, I can uh, uh, attest to you know the 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 catering bus and you know some of the conditions and the hours and stuff. Um, they are interesting, but it's like you know uh, we're they're moving props, but when you don't have that happening when you don't have those people you're right the scene does become flat um but what i've and and i've seen that and in fact the part of the reason i even do it is because of as you say it's about the education side of it you know um because i'm not traditionally trained i've I've been to uni and done short courses and stuff but um yeah there's nothing quite like on the uh, job training but you know when you've got so many different facets because so am I am I misunderstanding? So on, say for example, on on Maz's um on the castle set, there was a combination of um, you know obviously the principals are there. You've got the CFX guys there. You've got the background um artists there, uh, and you've got people. I mean, they're all come from yeah varying skill sets, different types of background. Um, like you know w- w- with supporting artists, you know sometimes you get you get the I suppose what you call the professional supporting artists, you know who are doing it sort of day in day out almost. Um, then you've got the guys who are doing it for a laugh maybe, or you know um, <laughs> just for the experience, you know because it's something a bit new and different, and they have a existing day job somewhere else. That that integration. Um, I guess that's what I was more getting into is that how did you find that sort of integration of all these different facets sort of coming into it? Um, Because I've never done a project where, for example, um, there's been creatures, you know, it's, it's always been either your principles and then you've just got a slot as passers by, you know, or moving around and stuff and creating a bit of movement, but you've got on, on, especially on a set like Maz's castle, you've got so many different things going on how did all that sort of uh how did it all work basically first of all um again you know I'm, I, even though it's very exciting uh, you know you're trying to be professional and make sure you're not getting too you know <laughs> um you know too excited about it all and, and and staying focused on the job at hand because it's very expensive and you realize uh, that you want to, you don't want to be that one that's having to, <laughs> you know, you're messing up the take and having to go again and whatnot. So paying a lot of attention to what's going on first and foremost. And then in the gaps when we're, you know, in between takes and setting up for new scenes and whatnot, um, having a chat and it was great to see the animatronics and the, the level of mastery and um, the people in the costumes. And uh, in that particular scene, it was very hot. So you had like a big yeah. spit roast. I don't know if you remember this big intergalactic turkey looking yeah, yeah. Sort of thing on a spit rotating and it was hot. And then you got lights and then we've got costumes on. And I was lucky I didn't have anything over my face so I could breathe. But for others, it must have been very challenging who had helmets and all sorts on. Um, yeah. But but very professional, very um, conscious of the health and safety um and also you had this magic this kind of um you know you're in this universe you know you're in this universe and there's a wookie over there and there's you know there's a hot thing over there and you know what i mean it's just yeah phenomenal uh, that uh, also that a lot of the the old um 
tech um, that made the universe come alive was still elements of it still being used, uh, which was great to see. Um, so there was the element of feeling uh, educated by the process, learning how it all comes together, which was fantastic. And also having to really pull yourself together and go, all right, okay, it's all fun, but make sure you're uh, listening out for the cues and staying on point with what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it must be difficult to concentrate. Uh, I mean, I don't know how I would be, uh, especially when it, you know you're a fan of something and you're in it, and you're, yeah, you got to maintain that level of professionalism. Um, okay, so like moving on then, because your career, uh, the stuff, your the projects you've worked on, and the ones that I'm sort of picking out in this interview, um, I absolutely adore. Um, one of those is fighting with my family, which I was not expecting. Uh, well, actually, I wasn't expecting anything from from it. Uh, you know, I, I saw that uh, Nick Frost was in it. Um, there was a Dwayne Johnson element. So I thought, okay, let's check it out because I, I, I like both of those actors. And then the story, which is based on a true story. By the way, if anybody's uh, not seen it, spoilers, potential spoilers ahead. Okay, so perhaps switch off now. Uh, go see it and then come back. But your, your role in there... Uh, your character, Union Jack. Um, so you're playing a Brit, which is great. They're not sort of getting you to do weird accents and stuff. Um, it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Those few minutes um, with you and Nick Frost, uh, it was just, I was in stitches. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, obviously that wasn't a real bowling ball, right? Bro, I got balls of steel. I had to um, go and train with Tibetan monks to get a, an extra slayer of, no. Um, yeah, that whole thing came about. My agent sent me the casting and I had no idea what was going on. I was like, really, what is this? And uh, I remember in the, the self tape, and then the I, I got someone to hit me over the head with something. It was all a bit weird. And it was one of those things I forgot about it and just carried on with doing stuff. And they were like, right. oh yeah, by the way, you, you yeah, you, you've been cast. Um, it's, yeah, you, you're booked, it's, it's all in. I was like, okay. And they sent me a breakdown of who else was in the film. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. I was like, what's going on? Um, I was like, okay, okay, this is cool. And um, got to set. And again, everyone was just lovely. Oh my days. Nick Frost. Nick Frost is such a nice guy. Oh my gosh. Um, hanging out with him. And um, and I absolutely got a massive respect, a different kind of respect um, for Stephen Merchant because he, he also, he's also acting in it. But the way that he directs and the way that he gets the best out of people, um, even, you know, there were some long hours and real graft, but it was just, he's uh, really good at that. Really good at that. And the role he plays really understated character in it. And it's just so interesting. And then he's obviously directing it. Of course, it, it makes it easier. It gives him less to do. But still in his understated role, it's still so important for those particular moments that he's there really smart and well written and um it was great to see that and again nick frost lovely guy just so down to earth uh, uh lena as well lovely 
just really fun northern lass. And I, my partner's from Leeds, so I would talk to her. And, and she, I was, she actually hasn't seen the movie yet. <laughs> but we'll talk about... Yeah, it's funny. Like, we got... Because she... Um, cut a long story short. Um, she, she's, she's a workaholic. And... Um, We've been watching. We've been doing. We've been watching a load of other stuff, and because I'd seen it every time she wants to see it, and I'd, I'd been in it every time she wants to see it. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to watch that now. Let's do. Let's watch something because I've seen it like three or four times. When it came <laughs> out, you know, I couldn't wait to see it. I, I, as you do, I've seen it a few times, and I saw it at the the, the crew only um, link up and all this kind of stuff. So I haven't seen it actually with her, but she knows about it, and she's like, "So you're like a big, you're like a, a black big daddy then, a black big daddy." Clean. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I am a black big daddy in that. For those that are wrestling fans from back in the day, yeah, um, Stacks Big Daddy. I used to love that man. Saturday mornings, love that. Right? yeah. So it was massive being asked to play that role, and the interaction, as you say, is fun, um, and the people that I got to meet and connect with on that set was just brilliant. Your and your scene is just so funny. Like you, you emoted so much in, I felt like, li you know, in very little, you managed to, you know, um, convey so much. And like the comedy <laughs> is, is there when you're actually not talking, you know, when you're not saying, oh, go on then. Or, you know, uh, it was like, <laughs> it was just a masterclass. I thought it was a masterclass in, um, in performance just through, the physical movement and just you know i i was wincing let's just put it that way thank you so much man i mean we've all had a little you know you just need to graze nuts and it, and it's a whole nightmare on elm street situation so uh maybe it, <laughs> yeah, it didn't take too much to kind of bring that one to life but no it it was about really connected with that and it was just so much fun i was like yo you look serious here like let me feel the ball let, let, give me the ball let me feel the ball make sure that okay all right let's go and like do certain things to make sure that things were <laughs> look, 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 looked after so that was a real bowling ball or was that some foam prop i imagine that was a foam prop no oh, bro I, told you, I, got balls, I got balls of steel bro i told you and an organ of steel. He hits you in the head with a, uh, what was it, a trash can thing, right? That's right, yeah. Oh, my God. So that... Went in. <laughs> that was, yeah, I love that. Um, and that film was just such a such a delight. If you haven't, if anybody hasn't seen that film yet, um, I strongly urge you to go check it out. It came out last year. I think it was 2019. Um, and it certainly made my top five for last year. It is... It is beautiful, it, and it's a fascinating tale of a uh, of this family from up north who, you know, they're just like grafters. You know, they're just really going at yeah. it, and and just this these incredible things are happening. Actually, not too dissimilar to, to your own life story in a in a weird way. You know, with the you know, and you hit it on the head, man. A real underdog story, just a real kind of like huh. persevering, not giving up, going through situations, but but just keep just keeping it moving and and it's one that uh, a lot of people can really connect with which is why the film did so well um and it, and and it's, and it's a story that I wholeheartedly believe in you know we're all going to face challenges um varying degrees of of pain around the around the you know the journey but don't give up and make the most of it you know absolutely
Yeah, totally. it's, it's one of those things where sometimes it becomes a cliche and people feel uncomfortable, it's too earnest. But no, especially after going through 2020, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, no, what, are you supposed to just roll over and die, roll over and give up? You know what I mean? Sorry to be so harsh about it, but um, really let's try and find um, a positive uh, in, 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 in as much as we can. Not dismissing the pain, not dismissing the grief, uh, processing it, allowing the time to heal because healing is so important. But when you have a dream and you have a vision, not letting anyone put you off that, go for it. Go for it. What's there to lose? Go for it. Exactly. And it's that sort of ownership of the pain as well. You know, you've got, if there's any sadness, if there's any whatever, uh, any grief, uh, you own it, you you accept it, uh, and then you, you, you move on. And maybe it's yeah. a weird way you can, you can find, as you say, like the, find the positive in it. You know, there's, there's always got to be there's got to be something, hasn't there? I mean, it can't just be an awful, awful experience and then that's it. You know, um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta do something with it. I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so okay, we've got. I mean, this is this is meant to be our sort of uh, our Christmas episode. So let's let's move on to something a little more festive. Um, and another film that I wasn't necessarily sure what to expect when we went in i mean we my wife and i we don't get to see an awful lot uh these days we've got a three-year-old he encompasses pretty much all of our time um and we get maybe a couple of hours in the evening after he goes to bed to be able to see something so we're kind of we're quite picky uh, or we have to be a little choosy in what we what we see um but the thumbnail, the poster for Jingle Jangle just immediately grabbed you. It like it was the epitome of of Christmas, really, it seemed. Um and like it had this kind of slightly fantastical eighties Jim Henson vibe about it with all the, you know, the sets and the the the, 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 the robot and everything. And I was like, Okay, let's check this out. And then I found it's a musical. Um Again, you know, potential spoilers ahead for Jingle Jangle. If you haven't seen it yet, again, what are you doing, man? Come on, come on, just just get with it. Um, this film was stunning, absolutely stunning. Uh, the performances were just mind-boggling, um, and I forget the uh, principal's uh, sorry, the the principal's name. The so it's basically the Forrest Whitaker character, but the younger incarnation of him that you see in the beginning what was the actor's name uh justin cornwell who yeah just okay so a chap named justin cornwell um captured that sort of forest whitaker-ness um really beautifully uh really beautifully without being too you know um on the nose and blatant but you elroy were as i said a surprise to see in that film um and a nice uh you know, you had you retain, again. You retained your British accent. Um, you played one of the villains. Like, well, the head guard, right? You were Gustafsson's uh, head honcho, uh, the 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 main bad guy's head honcho, and the main bad bad guy's played by uh, Keegan uh, Michael Key of Key and Peele uh, fame. So, how did that job come about? Um, but more importantly, what was involved in that stuff? Like those sets. How, that costume even you know you, you're in that green it was a green suit right if i remember correctly um just being there what can you just describe it can yeah can you just tell us a little bit about that yeah that film 
It's absolutely magical and a powerful and important film on so many levels. On the surface, just a great, magnificent Christmas movie full of all that we expect at this time of year. You know, um, the the sense of hope and um, togetherness and forgiveness and joy and and healing, um, which really comes through the film. You have some powerful veteran actors in there, the Forest Whitakers and so on, uh, Felicia Rashad and so on. And it's great to see also so many talented people, emerge so, much, so much emerging talent, uh, get a platform, get an opportunity to showcase their skills and be a part of yeah. such a great movie. And, Those kids um, are incredible. The, the young people are fantastic in that, just phenomenal. Um, also, the connection to Africa and uh, in a positive way with the music and with the way, with the colours, the colour schemes and uh, the cast um, is great. Um, in the same way we saw it with Black Panther, you know, but it's, exactly. it, what I love about how it's written and I love about how it's presented is you don't even think of it in that way. It's just a great film. Um, which is so important for encouraging inclusivity and um, just this sense of togetherness, um, which I, I think the director and writer, David E. Talbot, really captured so well. He was really able to bring that together so well. And the team, um, the the team, the crew, just fantastic. When I was on set, a lot of the people that were actually on uh, fighting with my family a lot of the crew were also on Jingle Jangle oh nice so it was great and, and it was it was a weird kind of not weird but that kind of juxtaposition in terms of like on on the um, fight with my family I'm like it's all fun and I'm hitting the nuts with a bowling ball and in this one I'm like I'm tough I'm like this yeah. you know this guard energy's different you know um, but it was just great it was great to do that um and to be a part of that film um, that will be around every this time every year it's going to be around for a long long time and quite quite rightly so um to to it's real honor to be a part of that and um yeah the, the reviews have been phenomenal they're absolutely fantastic yeah that film and i'm glad you touched on black panther because it feels like that that magic of Black Panther happening again, um, but just in a in a you know in a different genre now in the musical uh, genre, but like a big Christmas tentpole film, and not you know and without I, I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful to that sort of that sub genre you know like in the U.S. you've got you know the African American films, uh, and I'm not talking about the uh, I'm not talking about Spike Lee type stuff black exploitation stuff or anything but those sort of um 90s that were quite big for them i think in the early noughties where you had those rom-coms uh were predominantly you know african-american um creatives uh actors and writers producers directors but it always oddly enough at least here maybe because i'm a brit and i was over here for most of the time and perhaps it's not the same feeling out there because those films do get cinema releases in the u.s uh, whereas probably not over here, 
Um, but that felt, that always felt like a bit of a subgenre to me. And then Black Panther came along, and there was more of a mainstream feel. You know, it's a mainstream film, and this felt a lot more like that. You know, that there was a I don't know. There was more like an equilibrium. You know, there's this sort of balancing out. You know, it's not just I don't know a a black lead or a person of color as a lead in a in a big you know in a big western film or whatever it's it's there's more to it there's more of a cultural thing you know the fact that um jingle jangle provided this or presented this um you know this alternate almost like an alternate victorian era universe thing where i don't know let's just say certain atrocities from history perhaps didn't happen do you do you know what i mean it it felt different it felt um i don't know it felt important yeah i do know what you mean it felt like um the but like i said it it almost didn't matter that they were of african descent playing these characters exactly uh what mattered was the relationships what mattered was the mess is what matters is the the the, the message and um the way you feel because of these characters and and it's like it's just so well written and the, the music that goes with it the score is fantastic um it's it's just such a high level piece of magic um on so many levels and i think david e talbot uh, set the bar high with that one you know that's that's where it needs to be yeah yeah absolutely and how was your how was your onset experience like how much of that was because those sets are so incredible, they're so fantastical. How much of that stuff was uh, practically there? How much was, I don't know, green screen? Um, what, what was the sets and things like that like? Can you describe those? Yeah, I mean, it was all there. Um, the only thing that wasn't there was Ricky Martin's character. The the actual little... I don't want to give it away if you're listening to this. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was the only that was the only bit everything else was there the set was fantastic yeah and the and the the costumes i remember just getting so excited fitted up in these costumes um so well crafted the detail even the way it fit it just felt comfortable really um, well really well put together real quality to it um and it just enhanced the experience absolutely yeah, did you did you guys film that? Um, what time of year did you film it in? Just I'm out sure of curiosity. Was, I think it was summertime when yeah. I was involved. Okay, so it was it was a hot one. It was warm, not as warm as Star Wars. <laughs> okay. um, that was a whole different kind of heat, but still well worth it. But yeah, it was hot. Um, yeah, it was it was a hot time of year, but yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was great to do that. Yeah, real, real fun project. I can imagine. It's, yeah it's a beautiful absolutely beautiful um beautiful film and uh and i was shocked that that was ricky martin playing the uh the the puppet thing <laughs> the, yeah basically <laughs> yeah really talented um so much talent in that film um, yeah and it, it really connects it connected uh connected well really brought everything together in the right way yeah so Elroy, is this a Christmas film for you from now on? Like, are you guys actually going to sit down and watch this together? I've, I've watched it already. I've watched it like twice already or something. Um, okay. Great film. Emotional. Yeah. Like, oh, the parts of it that really 
hit home and really yeah. stir the emotions. It's such a powerful film. Yeah, the you know uh, the the relationships, as you say, it's the drive, it's the heart yeah. of the whole thing. You know, the the child reconnecting, uh, well, connecting with the grandfather, and ergo the grandfather reconnects with his daughter. I mean, it it was almost like a Disney film in that respect. You know, that the tragedy element, and then yeah, when yeah. you've when you've lost, if you've lost a a partner or a person that you really feel attachment to, deep attachment to, and you know that pain. And you know how it then creates a fear of you wanting to create any more connections with love for anything because you don't want to feel that pain again. Um, all of that is in there. And so when, you know, as humans, we, we want to feel whole. And then at the end of the film, when he's whole again, you know, it's going to, and, and you feel that connection and it just fills you with joy powerful stuff you know? yeah yeah Fully <laughs> presented so uh yeah oh it, yeah it's an incredible film um elroy uh thank you so much for your time this evening i've taken up so much of it um but it's just been absolutely incredible speaking to you um enlightening actually uh it's You're been welcome, wonderful huh? i'm glad that it's been uh helpful i look forward to uh you know seeing more great stuff from you and uh, thank, oh, thank you so you. much for again for inviting me on the show thank you all right cheers dave nice. Bye.